Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. And our top story today, ensuring a smooth record keeper transition that ensures data security and privacy. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Kevin Kilcar is a Senior Managing Director with Enterprise Iron. Kevin, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. You know, this is the topic that uh, I've spent a lot of time with, um, and I don't claim to be an expert on it, but I do know a lot about uh, the things that can uh, impact data and its security. Yeah, I, I, and then we're going to be talking about a record keeper transition, and I want to start off, let's give a baseline to the audience, because our audience is pretty diverse. When we're talking about a record keeping transition, what does that mean? So I look at it from a, a number of different vantage points. Number one, it could be that you're just moving um, the instance of a plan from one record keeper to another because the the sponsor has picked somebody else to do the work. It could be that you've decided to move your record keeping instance, and we're seeing a lot of that in the in the um, defined contribution marketplace where somebody is taking over uh, large segments of business. And then lastly. It could just be internal, where internally you're moving um, your record-keeping instance from one platform to another. Um, the scale of which is much different depending on which, which one you're doing. Uh, obviously, moving it from one place to another, the entire record-keeping instance, is a, there's a lot of data involved in that, and you have to be very secure in what you're doing to make sure that there's no spillage. And the term spillage is used from a data perspective where you you could potentially lose that data into the uh, ether, so to speak, and bad actors could get a hold of it. Yeah, and and when you talk about the data, let's so, so there's a lot of data depending on what style of transition you're doing, but generally speaking, what type of data are we talking about? Is it participant data, meaning individual data? Is it fund data or is it a combination of, all, of both? It's really the combination of all of the above. I mean, you're talking about, you know, the social security number, which you really don't want getting out there, the participant name, address, all the vital statistics that a bad actor could take and, you know, use to take over somebody's identity. Um, so you want to be really careful with that information. And then, of course, there's the you know, the fund data, employment history, you know, the participation history could be disability and hardship, Roth, uh, the seasoning information on the contributions and financial history records um, sent, you know, for record keeper, a lot of times that's loan repayment information. So, so it really sounds like this data is a lot of its sensitive participant information. You mentioned social security under your name, but there's a lot of data there that I guess a hacker would find very useful. Oh, yes. You know, in the deep web, the deep dark web, you know, this type of information, you know, I'm getting notifications all the time that, you know, they've seen my email in, in the dark web from different uh, vendors that I have 
you know, checking that out. I don't know how many people, you know, have that type of, uh, um, you know, security monitoring going on, but uh, it's a little scary to hear, you know, that, that that's out there. So we want to make sure that there's no uh, spillage or no way that we would have any party in uh, that information getting out and potentially have bad actors that want to use that to, uh, to spoof, um, you know, people's accounts and, and such. Yeah. And, and what we're talking about here is we're talking about preemption. We want to, we want to take all the steps, Kevin, to ensure that hackers, because they would have the most interest. And it's not just hackers here in the States, in the United States, there are global hackers. There are hacker groups. There are sovereign nations. I guess you can call them sovereign nations that are actively hacking other nations. So really this data is pretty important. It's important to maintain, but it's also could be pretty popular about all, with, within all those groups that I mentioned. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, you know, I'd like to talk to that later in the, in our discussion. Um, I do have some points to make on that, but um, absolutely. And, you know, uh, some of the challenges I was talking about the large scale movements of, of data and, you know, uh, I've been involved with a lot of large scale uh, data movements for all the different reasons that, you know, were meant that I mentioned earlier, including situations with where we're talking about billions of records, you know, and documents as well, not just um, not just history records from the record keeping system, but the associated documents that go with the transactions that have been processed. So it's always good to, you know, have the forethought of, okay, how am I going to secure this up front before you even go down the road to uh, extracting it and moving it? And, um, you know, some things like um, if you're moving it to a third party, anonymizing the data, um, which essentially means, you know, masking it so that nobody can tell who, who the person is, um, so that you can do the testing, because there's always testing involved. So there's there's not just one massive move of data. You, you have to prep for the, the data going to somebody and making sure that they're aware of how to um, consume that information. So you wanna make sure that you have a process in place to address that. And yeah. then- Oh, go ahead, I'm, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I was gonna say, I mean, the, the focus on any data, data movement, you make sure it's secure. You wanna make sure that the, the any, any potential for spillage um, is is handled up front and that you have, you know, broad discussions on how you're going to do that because of the financial and reputational risk for your organization. You want to make sure you can protect that um, by doing the work up front on how you're going to do the transmissions. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kevin, but I want to take a very quick break. Can we come back? How do you ensure that your data is secure when changing record keepers? We're going to talk about it in a lot more. You're going to want to stay tuned right here. I'm BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. 
but what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Invesco's latest Show Me the Income study reflects on the evolving retirement industry today as it faces the pressing need to help participants turn their defined contribution plan savings into long-term retirement income. Key findings from the research uncover that nearly 7 in 10 participants fear running out of money in retirement. And only 22% were very confident they could create a retirement income strategy on their own. What can employers do to help? To learn more about the study and request the white paper, visit Invesco.com retirement income or contact your Invesco DC professional. Cited research is based on Invesco's work with Greenwald Research. Invesco is not affiliated with Greenwald Research. Invesco Advisors, Inc. is an investment advisor that provides investment advisory and does not sell securities. Invesco Distributors, Inc. is the U.S. distributor for Invesco's retail products and private placements. Both are indirect wholly owned subsidiaries of Invesco Limited. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Sure. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, so it's a real fun topic. It's an important topic, but it's fun to kind of talk about it with an expert like yourself. Uh, can we talk a little bit about, before we get into ensuring the data, I want to talk about, pick up the conversation about system vulnerability and maintaining data privacy. You had some ideas and thoughts about that. I do, because, you know, um, on a day-to-day -day basis from a record-keeping standpoint, there's a lot of data movement in and out of uh, record-keeping organizations, and that's just part of the, the deal, so to speak. You know, payroll data is one, feedback files back to the sponsors and others. So you need to make sure that um, within the organization and, you know, within the transmissions, you're looking at security, defense, and depth. And that's a, that's a big term that's used a lot within the uh, record keeping and other organizations as well that are dealing with PII data. And you wanna make sure that your endpoints are very secure. And endpoints could be on your network. You wanna make sure that that your data in REST and your data in trans transit are all encrypted to make sure that, you know, bad actors, even if they get a hold of it, it's encrypted and it'd be difficult for them to uh, exploit it. Um, so you want to establish very um, uh, strong things like external firewalls, but internal firewalls as well, in order to protect everything that's sitting on your network. Um, beyond that, um, you know, we have to deal with uh, things like uh, denial of service. Now, denial of service is becoming a big deal because bad actors, especially state-sponsored, um, are are looking to bang against your external uh, firewalls and your, your systems like your participant web and sponsor web to try to gain access. And they're doing it in a brute force manner. And if, if your firewalls are not up to snuff, 
they can um, they can get beyond that. But you want to have strong identification methodologies that that go out there and see what IPs they're they're coming from and deny them from from getting to your web. And and you if if the denial of service you know attack starts, you start getting a ramp up of um, instances that are trying to be created against your your external facing um, applications and it can it can cause a situation where your, your regular participants and sponsors and, and others that are trying to access can't do it because um, they're flooded with requests and you know your systems are only geared up to do so much volume and this can impact that um, desperately. The other things you want to make sure of is that you know zero day um, vulnerabilities as well as patching is done on a, a managed basis. Um, one of the biggest issues that we had in the past it was the log4j issue was sort of pervasive because not only your legacy applications that you developed internally, but the COTS packages had that. So the mitigation of that um, was very difficult to uh, uh, address. Um, it was zero day, so you had to do it immediately. So we almost had to stop everything just to address it. So you want to be sure that you're monitoring um, things like CloudStrike and other uh, products that give you that information immediately, and then you have to act on it immediately. And then vendor monitoring and verification is also uh, important. There's been a lot of um, uh, articles in the in the news where you've had situations like Okta unfortunately um, had a penetration and that had to be dealt with, you know, pretty quickly. A lot of firms use an Okta and um, they had a penetration in through one client that allowed them access into others. Um, but there's, uh, you know, something that's near and dear to my heart is my information of recent got um, uh, spilled due to a, a product called Move It. And I mean, yep. other people receive letters that uh, our information had gotten spilled. We don't know the extent to this point, but you know, it, at this at this point in time, we just know it's been exposed. I had a similar thing with OPM, and that was in the news as well. The Office of Personnel Management, where because I had security clearance and I had to go through them, that was spilled. But unfortunately, my wife's information was spilled and not mine. But um, but they provided uh, LifeLock for. I think life for 10 years or something like that for it. But that was a situation where they didn't have an internal firewall and um, bad actors had sent uh, malware to a individual that happened to be a system administrator and they got access to the internal systems through that. So there's a number of things that you need to cover. Uh, you need to make sure that phishing expeditions of, of that nature, you do the internal training and make sure that people are aware of this, the seriousness of of what can occur if um, you, you become subject to a, a phishing expedition that they can then exploit uh, of that nature. But the defense in depth is what I'm talking about here is that you need to line up all those um, uh, different uh, security techniques and access levels to make sure that um, bad actors can't get in and, and exploit the information of your participants. And, and Kevin, I mean, you almost have to be a CIA operative, it sounds like, in order to do this, this prevention work or, or hire someone like yourself who's an expert. Let me, let me just transition. Uh, we talked about hackers. I want to come to come, maybe come back to that uh, in the first segment. But how do you ensure? So let's go to the record keeper for a second. How do you ensure 
that the data is actually secure between record keepers? I mean, what what steps do you need to take? You, t- you talked about you know the denial of service, all the uh, attacks that can take place, but how do you actually ensure that the data makes its way from record keeper A to record keeper B safely without spillage, which yep, is a new thing I just learned. Well, you know, that's a great question. And, you know, we spent a lot of time on that, making sure that um, it is secure in that manner. And, you know, it used to be that you were using FTP and what's called PKI, um, um, uh, the personal key um, infrastructure. Um, to make sure that uh, that information is secure in that manner. But but that was a long time ago that people were using FTP. More people are moving from SF to SFTP, uh, Secure File uh, Transport Protocols. And there's different systems and uh, tools nowadays that uh, are used to secure data. Um, they're point-to-point systems where, you know, it's peer-to-peer and they, they do a handshake and they know that, you know, the data is coming. Um, you can drop data into a, a file zone in a DMZ and that information can be scanned to make sure that there's no executables in it and then um, reviewed to make sure that it's ready to be moved into the, um, the core environment where your data is. So there's a separation between the two. And then... You know, now that the cloud has become more prevalent, there's a lot of tool sets that are being used by those cloud providers, the CSPs. And I'll focus on AWS just because I've had more contact with that. I don't want to slight any other CSP, but from an um, AWS perspective, they have a, a lot of new tools, including what's called S3, which is used for movement of files between point A and point B in a, a secure manner. But they also for the large scale uh, transitions that I was talking about earlier with billions of records, uh, AWS has a tool called Snowball. Um, it, it belongs in their Snow uh, tool set. I'll call it Snow tool setup. I may be mislabeling um, that, but um, it can move terabytes worth of data. And, uh, I've used that. Um, you connect it to your network. It's, a, it's like a, a, a rock hardened um, system. You use uh, AWS's um, uh, OPS hub to manage the data and transfer it from you know your network onto the the solution. It, they use Fire, the you know their um, their book tool, as actually the the com for it. It's it's pretty interesting. And you know when you're done and you want to send it, it, it prints out the uh, UPS uh, label and you use that to send it from point A to point B but in a secure manner. Uh, it was really pretty interesting to use that solution, but it, it locks down your data. And even if, even if somebody got a hold of it, they weren't going to get anything out of it. Uh, Kevin, um, look, we recently featured uh, your colleagues, Mark and Sergio, talking about improving legacy systems. And I want to, you know, we, we talked a lot about what you can do to secure data, but what about improving systems? What can record keepers do to actually improve their systems so that they're not facing these vulnerabilities, or if they are, they're they're able to push back. That's a great question, Jeff. Um, I like talking about this stuff because I, I dance between the business and IT, but my, you know I've spent a lot of time on the IT side around this. And legacy system modernization is something you know I love to talk about because you always 
you know, I think IBM said that there's a seven year cycle, but from a technology perspective, as it speeds up, it's, it's becoming less and less than seven years. So um, uh, legacy system modernization is important because new technologies and new security methodologies don't, don't necessarily apply themselves to uh, older um, legacy systems, especially the proprietary ones. And it gets harder and harder with tighter budgets to, to move it along, but the business has to be very focused on it. And as you mentioned, my, my colleagues had, had done a modernization stint, and I, I think it's well worth anybody um, that's listening to me now to go and take a look at that because I think they'll find some very valuable information. I, in, in addition to that, I'd say minimizing access to production data by internal resources. I mean, I've, I've heard situations and even um, from testimony about Twitter where they said they had 4,000 people that had production access to data. And, you know, out of 7,000 employees, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, nobody <laughs> has access to production data, uh, uh, especially not in that volume. But, um, you know, by minimizing people that have access to the production data, it, you know, minimizes any kind of uh, malware or other type of attack um, where somebody could, uh, bad actors could get access to that data. I'd say also, you know, I talked about defense in depth, and that needs to be a mindset of all the people that are working um, in developing code, as well as, you know, the, the business side and how they're using that data once, you know, uh, we're generating reports and all kinds of other information that is going out to the business side for them to um, run the operation. And you have to be very careful about um, what they're doing with that. So you got to secure that and get their you know, sign off anymore that they understand the, the consequences of that getting out into the world. Um, encryption at rest and in transit uh, for all participant and plan data. I've talked about that before. That's a, you know, the, years ago, that wasn't necessarily, you know, a, a big deal to follow, but um, of late, it is, it is seriously something that, um, that people are uh, looking at more and more that you have to have it done. Um, the databases, um, as well as the transport mechanism. And then, you know, masking PII is important, um, more and more important. So when you call up anymore, you'll hear somebody say, well, can you give me the last four digits of the, your social security number? Well, that's because they can't see the first six. Um, so you want to, you want to have an effort where you're masking data to keep it out of the, um, to keep it out of the hands of even your internal actors, because you know you have internal threats, not just external threats from that perspective. Yeah. Phishing communication, as I mentioned before, and um, communication associated with that, you, you wanna make sure that um, very frequently you're, you're having phishing tests that you, you as an organization are, are doing the phishing um, so that people become more aware when it's uh, coming from an external perspective. Um, I got a whole list here, Jeff. Just stop me. Um, well, I, 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 and I want to. We're going to put some of that up in the in the in the graphics. But I want to. We've got a few minutes left, Kevin, because there's a lot of information. Of course, people can go to the Enterprise Iron website to find out a lot more. Uh, but let me ask you: in the in the remaining time we have, what should advisors, consultants, people who help select record keepers be looking at when it comes to data? security infrastructure. So the people who may not have your expertise, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they're evaluating. This is a big part of that vendor evaluation process that is done by so many. 
Yeah, Jeff, it's, that's a, a great question. I mean, this is called um, making sure you're secure in your knowledge of what you're getting yourself into and what you're exposing your participant data to. Um, and, and it starts with the RFP and interview process uh, for any new record keeper that you're going to select. You want to make sure that you're asking the right questions and getting verifications as well as references from other um, uh, plan uh, plan sponsors that are using that record keeper um, for doing their um, defined contribution plans. I'd say conversations around the record keeper security strengths and weaknesses. You want to understand from an infrastructure and a, um, just an operational perspective what they think their strengths and weaknesses are, and you want to probe into that to make sure that you want you have a good understanding of 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 what that information they're providing means. Questions should include record keepers history around hacking incidents, vulnerability management, zero day vulnerability responses and incident response process and procedure. Uh, incident uh, process and uh, procedure is important because if something comes up, what are the SLAs and reaction times that you can expect um, if there is some type of breach or spillage from that record keeper? And then um, I'd say how the data is encrypted. Like I said, you know, over time, encryption has uh, picked up momentum. Um, we, I spent it in my uh, past life a lot of time where we were doing regular FTP within the environment and, you know, we weren't securing it between endpoints within the environment. And we had, we switched over and started using secure FTP um, for everything within the environment, not just externally, but everything within the environment to try to lock down as much as we possibly could around uh, any kind of data risk internally. Um, and then, you know, what type of uh, SIM or SIM, I, I always I always get confused with those two, but one is SIM and one is SIEM. You know, there's, there's different tools out there. My history has been more with Splunk, uh, tracking that information. So it's Security information management, security information event management. Um, you want to tie all your logs. Uh, you want to make sure that that they have a sim, as well as tying all the logs and information, and that that's scrutinized by a sim on a daily basis, and that alerts are produced from that sim that that uh, uh, actions are taken on, both from uh, IT, a business, and a security standpoint, and that. You know, there's SLAs around when it when when it detects something. What, what are you going to do? And that that could include the the DDoS. It could include you know um, information that's being transferred that shouldn't go from point A to point B, but somebody's trying to do it. Things of that nature. And then lastly, how does a record keeper protect against internal threats um, such as collusion um, or any other bad actor uh, scenarios? Is there separation of duties? How are those separate? separation of duties handled so that internally you're as secure as external. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, look, there's so much that goes into this. You almost have to be, you know, I'm thinking about all these advisors out there, Kevin, you have to be an expert in fiduciary responsibility. You have to be an expert in investments. Now you have to be an invest, an expert in security. Um, that's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot, a lot of due diligence. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate you kind of delving in real deep on this. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure. Had a good time.
That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Drop us a line and don't forget for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more, all in one place. Check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another great edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. Don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.